From Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, this is The Legal Lounge. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of The Legal Lounge, where we've got some great content planned for you. If you haven't heard the shows in the first season yet, they're definitely worth checking out. You'll get an insight into many aspects of law in England and Wales, including divorce, mental capacity and claims for different kinds of injury. You can listen to these shows on your podcast app or by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, Solicitor Louise Howard speaks with Lieutenant Colonel Carl Meyer about the Headley Court Veterans Orthopaedic Centre at the Robert Jones and Agnes Hunt Orthopaedic Hospital in Oswestry. Carl talks about this veteran service which has seen around 25,000 patients over the past nine years and the plans for the centre in the future. I've been a military consultant for now over 20 years. I joined when I was, I'd actually been a doctor for a while and joined as a doctor. Uh, and then I was, the time I joined, I literally went st- straight into my sort of military training, which you do in parallel with your medical training. And, and then shortly after I was getting deployed to Iraq. And then after that it was regular deployments to Afghanistan. That's where I spent most of my military career. That was a very busy time indeed and professionally it was very satisfying to be working when you know your work is very important and providing real support for our servicemen at a very bad time for them. Obviously we would have been much happier if we weren't working at all because that meant people weren't getting injured but we were very very busy for a matter of years across the time we were in Afghanistan. And certainly I, professionally, my management of trauma and serious injuries greatly benefited from that. And that helps me when I'm providing my trauma service here at Shrewsbury. Because when I'm not doing hips and knees at Oswestry, I'm working locally at Shrewsbury, providing the trauma service with my colleagues there. I think there's a bigger picture as well. When veterans, they're coming to access a service, it's reassuring for them to see you, not only because you're in uniform, but because you have experienced a lot of what they will have experienced. And so you understand their whole approach to this. Over the last, say, nine years, it's not just me. It's the the whole staff have got used to dealing with the veteran population. And they do bring a, a lot of problems, particularly with mental health. And a lot of the time, they are worried about what their behaviour will be like in hospital. And being able to reassure them that our staff have seen it all before, this is not something that they're going to be surprised about, that is enough to make them relaxed that it's not a problem. And even when it is a problem afterwards, it just doesn't matter because we've had pretty much everything come through at Oswald Street. If somebody's being, you know, having flashbacks, perhaps being aggressive, something like that, there's not a sudden call for security guards or things like this. It is just dealt with in a very sensible, appropriate way. And then once the dust has settled, it's not a problem anymore. And that's what's good about having staff that are used to dealing with veterans. If you don't have that, you can get into difficulties. And that's only going to get better with the centre, isn't it? Because the signposting is going to be there for that further support that might be needed. Certainly locally, I've just finished 20 years of regular service. and I literally went from one day from regular service into the following day I'm into reserve service. 
Our local field hospital here is 202. 202 Field Hospital is a reserve field hospital. So it is a, a unit made up of doctors, nurses, theatre staff, supporting staff, and all the personnel that you would need to deploy as a hospital in the field. I would very much like to see people serving with 202 or, or part of 202 being more visible within our local our local hospitals. Again, because that helps when veterans are in. Seeing somebody who's in uniform, they actually gravitate to them and say, um, you know, oh, I, I'm lost, where do I go? Not everyone has to be in uniform. It might just be a lanyard around your neck. It might be something that identifies you as being someone that, that has a, an appreciation of, of who they are and what problems they might have. It's all about accessibility, isn't it? Yes, isn't and it? if that familiarity helps, then brilliant. Can you give us a bit of background about the service? The service actually started in 2013. And it really started on the back of a trip to America. I'd been to visit the Walter Reed Military Hospital in the States, and I'd been very impressed with the quality of care they gave to their serving personnel and to their veteran population. And so when I came back from that, that got me thinking, what could I do in England to support veterans? So what I came up with was the Veterans Orthopaedic Service. And in short, or it started off as a means of allowing veterans to have their hip and knee arthritis assessed by a military-led team and then if appropriate for them to have their their surgery and ongoing care at the Robert Jones and Agnes Hunt Hospital in Oswestry. Now that's good for several reasons. Firstly, having a military-led team looking after veterans, we have a better idea of their experiences and expectations so we're better able to manage them. And then of course the, the Robert Jones it's the leading orthopaedic hospital in the country, and uh, it has a large number of very experienced people there. Um, it's got very low levels of infection. It's an excellent place for you to go and have your orthopaedic surgery carried out. I started off with hips and knees, and that's what we concentrated on for the first couple of years, but the idea has always been to expand those services to include all of the other specialties offered at Oswestry. So we have large numbers of veterans coming through for sports knee surgery. That's not provided by me, but my civilian colleagues are very supportive. In general, actually, everyone out at Oswestry has been very supportive of the whole service right from the start at all levels across the organisation. And it's really grown, hasn't it? It has. In Let's think, we've been going for seven, eight, nine years now. We've easily seen 20,000 patients. We're now on to about we're probably approaching 25,000 patients. Now, for a veteran service providing secondary health care services, by that I mean medical services in hospital, that is several orders of magnitude above anybody else in the country. We, we have done well, but we've only been able to do well because of the number of people who've been involved and in supporting the service right from the start. You're obviously seeing people from the whole of the UK then. The majority of patients still come you know, from within, say, 50 miles of the hospital, say about 50%. But a large number come from much further afield, all over the United Kingdom. We also have patients coming from France. Had a lady flying from Naples recently. I've got a, a veteran coming in from the Falkland Islands, as well as places like Amman 
uh, and further afield. I suppose it's international, isn't it? It is, absolutely. But it's, it's really important to state that it, this is an NHS service. You have to have a, an NHS GP to qualify. We have to operate within the rules and regulations of the NHS. We don't get any additional funding or support because of the service. Um, that has been the great challenge for us to, to make that work. And uh, that has really required a lot of help from the management structure at Oswestry. So again, I'm very lucky. I've got a, I've effectively got a tier of management just providing support for veteran services because working out how you can provide an orthopaedic operation for somebody in, say, Ireland or from Scotland is to make that, that financially viable within the, the, the rules of the NHS is very difficult indeed. And that has taken us many years to work that out. It's grown to the point where actually you're now building a dedicated centre, aren't you? Yes, yes. We've got the Headley Court Veterans Orthopaedic Centre. Um, the Headley Court Charity Foundation were very, very supportive indeed and gave us a, a £6 million donation to allow us to build this building. Really without them we would we would not be in the position we are we are now. We'd sort of raised about a quarter of a million by ourselves. Which is still great. Uh, yeah. But it's it we needed that that big injection of cash to allow us to build this bigger building. I was very lucky to meet somebody from the charity at an awards ceremony. And I was uh, I was sitting on one side of him, Andrew Preston who who's been interviewed by you you know, before on this podcast was on the other side and between us we just sort of gave him a barrage of veteran stuff and what we were hoping to do and planning to do and we didn't think anything was really going to come from it but sometime later we got a telephone call oh you were talking to us about this could we learn some more some other people came up and then after many months suddenly we had a six million pound donation from the Headley Court charity which is I mean, unheard of. Absolutely fantastic. But I'm absolutely sure we are worthy of that. We'll be able to show them that that has been worth every, every pound by the, the large number of people we already have coming through the service. We want that number to increase. And I think that will be money well spent. It's interesting hearing you talk about how it's the whole hospital as a whole who are supporting this project. Um, I was first aware of it when you first launched the appeal for the uh, the centre and you've had an awful lot of support from outside agencies for that haven't you yes. that's been a real coming together to make that happen it's been another principle of if you like of the service to really try and involve all of our local community so one of the nice things uh, some of the local students did from one of the schools they they painted us military silhouettes on one of the sides of one of our buildings I saw that that was which, great absolutely yeah. and, that, and that sort of thing I think is really important for raising awareness and also involving the local community uh, because veterans come from all over our local community as well as further afield. So what's the aim of the centre? The primary aim is to give us uh, increased capacity to allow us to treat more people. It is the ground floor is primarily an outpatients department and it will be laid out and decorated in a way that veterans will recognise and identify with. They've often travelled around a lot. They find it difficult to come into hospitals for a variety of reasons. 
and having somewhere which they recognise and identify with automatically gives them confidence. Is that something you saw when you were visiting the Walter Reed Centre? That Very ethos? much so. Everything, the whole hospital. The Walter Reed Hospital is on a site. It's such a big site, they have their own fire service and police service. Oh, really? It is right. colossal. And the hospital itself has, um, it's clearly military when you're inside it. There's lots to suggest that. There's lots of people in uniform and there's lots of services around the hospital that are providing support for serving people as well as uh, veterans. For instance, they have a large building. I can't think what it's called, but it's, it's effectively a place where you can go and stay if you're a, a family member or a veteran coming from elsewhere in the country coming for either to support somebody who's in hospital or you're in hospital yourself. What were the things that you wanted to bring back from the Walter Reed Centre? What were the ideas that you thought would be really brilliant to bring back to here? It is having a place that your military and veteran population clearly identify with and recognise is there for them. And that's what we've really wanted to bring into the Veterans Orthopaedic Centre at Oswestry. And we are doing that by making sure it's laid out and decorated in a way that they recognise. The name of the place, the Headley Court Veterans Orthopaedic Centre, again, is something all veterans know about Headley Court. It was the big uh, rehabilitation centre down the south of England. Lots of people have been been there. Um, They all know what it is. So it's it's familiarity. Having people like me walking around in, in uniform, I'd like to see other people in uniform there. Again, it is something familiar for them. If you have people's confidence, particularly in healthcare, you're much better able to look after them. And for a veteran population that feels generally a bit let down by society, they often complain that when they leave, they have just been dropped and there is nothing, no one there to support them from that point onwards. That's what we're trying to provide for them, that level of support. And one of the big things we're doing is working with Shropshire Council. So Sarah Kerr, who's been on one of your podcasts in the past. She has. She is leading things for us from a Shropshire Council point of view. There's a large room on the ground floor of the building that's called the Veterans Hub. Now, Veterans Hubs are places where you can go and have your welfare issues dealt with because veterans, that they, they have a lot of problems, particularly mental health, drug and alcohol addiction, housing, education, finance, whole range of problems that I am not best placed to deal with. Having the council provide their services from the hospital means that whilst they're with us, either as, as an outpatient or a patient, they can have those things dealt with at the same time. Nobody's done that before in the UK anywhere. Because usually your veterans hub is is in a say less desirable place in town because you've got a somebody's got to pay for it and run it and because of that they are harder for people to just drop into by having the hub inside the hospital everyone's in a hospital at some point or other it's much easier for people just to go and have a look and once they're there then they start to interact absolutely and the point you'd said about having their confidence and so if all the support that they need is around them it's a lot easier to ask for that help isn't it we'd been working with with sarah for quite a few years now so well before we had the building sort of designed we'd invited her to come and help us with with our veterans clinics and she would set up her sort of welfare flying clinics if you like in the foyer and as patients were coming through to see me they would see her and 
it just naturally, whilst they're waiting, go and ask, well, what's this all about? And once one person's in, suddenly lots of other people are following, and, and that proved to be really successful. Now, having a, a large room for her to do that in with smaller interviews, because there are difficult conversations that need to be had, and having them in the hospital foyer is not ideal. Uh, that's We're very excited about that. I think that'll be a, a great thing to make available to veterans. And I hope that uh, once we are up and running, she will be able to, to run council-run services from the hub. So people might not be coming to the hospital at all. They'll be coming specifically to see her and or one of the military charities to have something dealt with from there. That would be great. Because the centre's on the hospital site, isn't it? But it is separate, is my understanding. It is and it isn't. I didn't want it to be somewhere that was a complete, completely separate building on the hospital because I didn't want to set up something, some sort of elitist centre that was not part of the hospital. It was very important that this is something that everyone feels part of. So it is attached to our main hospital outpatients. The hospital outpatient staff will rotate through it on a regular basis. It's not... It's not just for one group of people to go into. And um, so, yes, whilst you will, as you sort of cross the threshold, there will instantly be a different feel to it. It is still very clearly a hospital building for outpatients on the ground floor and um, very much part of the main hospital. How far is the build? How's it getting on? So we are, we are, we hope to open in September. I actually get my first look at it inside tomorrow whilst we've seen it go it went up very rapidly from the outside but it will be it'll be a great thing to be able to see inside and have an actual feel of how big the rooms are where they are how it all links together um yes can't wait so all on track for september at the moment all on track for september. yeah absolutely and there's i mean there's more to it i mean that's just the ground floor if you go upstairs we've got a series of offices they're important to help us with the running of the service and as we get bigger we need to be able to have um, people specifically linking in with you know veteran services elsewhere we'd really like to see other services like ours running in other centers of excellence around the country so we need sort of more admin people to help us with that we've also got space for research and of course audit because you need to be able to show that what we're doing works so we, we want we really want to be able to collect our data and say, look, that's what we've achieved over the year. This is really worthwhile. We should be doing this elsewhere. So is there an interest in that at the moment? Or is that just well, a, an aim? OK, I've got an interest in yeah, that. Absolutely. But it, it, it is a great strength and a weakness in that we are right out on the borders of Wales, out in the sticks, so to speak. It would be easier to get support for a service like this if we were within the M25. You just cannot get around that. So trying to get your voice heard in terms of what we've been doing and how much we have done, 25,000 patients is a colossal number for a veteran service. And trying to get that heard has been difficult. And I'm hoping that our numbers will speak for themselves in terms of you know what an important service this is, because Nobody's managed to make a any sort of veteran service run within the NHS and within NHS funding. We've done that. We've proved it for the last nine years. So now is the time for other places to start running similar services. 
you know, this idea of having a sort of a, a, a national centre of excellence providing veteran services from it, that works really well. You could easily do that with hernias, cataracts, heart problems, whatever. It doesn't have to be just orthopaedics. So you're very aware of setting the blueprint at the moment? Yes, and it's encouraging other people to follow. That's the next big challenge. And I understand that it it won't stop there in terms of the challenges for you. You're looking at rehabilitation as well. Well, yes, we've not got as far as, as fundraising for this, but what I'd really like to do after we've got the... Uh, our outpatients set up. I'd like to have a another building to address rehabilitation. Rehabilitation across the NHS in general is poor because there's just not the volume of physiotherapist, occupational therapists to provide enough services for everyone. So for instance, for my patient cohort coming from all over the country, let's say you've traveled six hours as a veteran from Devon for your hip replacement, the NHS wants to get you in and out as quickly as possible. And then you will go back, particularly to the south coast, and you might not have any physiotherapy following your knee replacement for, well, maybe not at all, you might get one or two sessions. What I'd like to have is a a rehabilitation centre where we could have, say, 20 beds, a bit like a Premier Inn type style, where patients can come and stay up before their surgery, They have their operation in the hospital. They immediately get discharged into their own bed, but they're self-caring, so they're not in the hospital anymore. And then they're into three times a day physiotherapy in a very large gym where we can run classes at the same time. We know working, working people together in groups, that's very good for getting the best out of people, particularly in the military population, because that's what they're used to. They're used to working as a squad, one Ging on the other to, to work harder. And um, if we can give that for our, certainly for me, for hip and knee replacements, they will, do, they will do better. And importantly for me, if somebody's only with me for two days, by that stage their wound hasn't fully matured. I want to be sure their wound is losing, they're making good progress, the swelling's going down. Because the people who don't have that, we see... You know, a steady stream of people, particularly following knee replacements, who don't get physiotherapy, and then they get a very stiff knee, that doesn't work. 80% of your outcome following a knee replacement is down to you as a patient putting the work in to make it move. If you don't get that, or you don't get the direction for that, you will get a less than successful result. And I can see the potential there because there's so much support with military charities and other support groups that are out there if you're able to kind of bring them in in the way that you're bringing that support system with the center so for me it's it's hips and knees but i would also have um you know the other specialties there we've got the the spinal injuries unit at oswestry which has always received military patients right from the word go and having a gym fully equipped that will allow their patients to use it as well that's very important uh, for patients, maybe patients we haven't operated on, but who are veterans who've had surgery elsewhere in the country, who want to come and stay with us for a week or so for some intensive therapy. Again, that's a, a really important service that is not available to everyone across the NHS, but it should be. Interestingly, if you're in the fire service or the police service, they have 
exactly this for them. So, oh, do they? Absolutely, yes. If you're a, you're a, particularly a policeman, they've got a very nice setup indeed, where if they have surgery, they can then go and book in and stay for a period of time and have intensive physiotherapy and other sorts of therapies to help them recover from their from their injury. And so are the outcome rates better? Yes, is the short answer. Right. <laughs> How you record that is slightly different or slightly more difficult, but there is no doubt about it. Good rehabilitation is worth its weight in gold. When it's your hip or knee replacement, the only thing you're interested in is your outcome. And I want to make it possible for my patients that they do as well as they possibly can. So plenty to keep you busy um, in the next Very few busy. years. Very busy. I mean, we've got it. We want, first things first, need the Veterans Orthopaedic, the Headley Court Veterans Orthopaedic uh, Centre. They need that to be an absolute success. Yeah. And, it, and it should be. We start in September and um, for, we'll start off slowly and ramp up services. Uh, as I said before, the trust is very... It's very supportive indeed. So the hope is that other consultants will join me there who are either maybe military consultants or reservists who are orthopaedic consultants or civilian consultants who will just have, a, have an interest and will be helping me provide more in the way of veteran services to allow the spectrum of services we provide to expand and allow us to treat more people. If you're not local to here or you're not orthopaedic, people aren't aware of how good a unit this is here. We're very lucky to have it in the county. You know, I'm, I feel very grateful that I'm working there. I think we need to let more people know that there's this great service there uh, and a great hospital there. Be they not necessarily veterans, be they, you know, non-veterans and to, to make our services available to them. Well, you do a fantastic job of raising awareness. Thank you to our special guest, Carl, and to Louise for lending her expertise. Yet more proof that lawyers don't bite. If you need legal help from Louise, please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk. That's lblaw.co.uk. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you found the conversations helpful, please remember to follow, review and share the episodes. Speak to you soon. That was The Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.